You're listening to True Stories Told Live. Welcome to Speakeasy, where our tellers get on stage with their whole, authentic, beautifully human selves and speak their experience. No notes, just the memory of a life lived. On our stage, you'll hear humor, hope, embarrassment, disappointment, grief, lust, anger, love, remembrance, the whole brilliant and nuanced spectrum of what it is to live as individuals in community with others. Here at Speakeasy, our incredibly gracious audience holds all of it, sighing together, laughing together, crying together, and cheering our hearts out together. There's a symbiotic thing we've got going here between our tellers and our listeners, where each person creates that sacred space that just unflinchingly holds each other's stories, where we bear bits of our souls and bear witness. Join us the first Thursday of every month in Columbus, Ohio, at 7 p.m., where we gather at Wild Goose Creative, nestled in amongst the gallery's newest art exhibit. With a simple theme as inspiration, 10 tellers sign up, brave up, step up in front of a microphone, and get honest. What you're about to hear is one of those stories. So, as a kid, I had a lot of problems in school, and uh, one of my ways to escape from everything was to go off into the wilderness. I grew up in Gehanna, so that meant Friendship Park, the end of our street, which, um, as a kid, it was a big enough wilderness for me. Um, I think as Westerners, we think of the wilderness as an escape from society, and that's what I used it as. I... I couldn't fit in in school, and my parents, I was the oldest of four kids, and they both worked full-time, so I didn't um, have a lot of support in my childhood. So I spent as much time as I could in the wilderness to kind of get away from everything. And um, as I grew older, I, was, I became one of those kids who, a white kid who grew up in the suburbs who wanted to be an Indian because they lived in the wilderness and they were close to the earth and they had some sort of, in my mind, mystical connection uh, to the earth, to the wilderness that we as white people living in modern industrialized society lacked. And I felt that, you know, I, I obviously lacked a connection and I thought that I could find mine somehow in the wilderness. and. Um, that kind of evolved into an idea for a career. I wanted to become an anthropologist, and I saw that as a ticket to um, live in the wilderness for a time with Indians, with indigenous people. So in school, I studied anthropology. I realized years later, you know how they say that people who study psychology, a lot of them unconsciously are trying to figure themselves out. Well, I felt I didn't fit into society, so I majored in cultural anthropology, unconsciously <laughs> trying to figure out society and why I didn't fit in. Um, so towards the end of my uh, college career, I got into a, uh, a field study program through Arizona State and um, 
we did with um, other kids, they weren't kids, but they seem, I think of them as kids now. Um, we kids, with 20 year olds, um, lived with an indigenous family, I think it was six weeks in the Amazonian rainforest. Um, and it was pretty cool. And I realized that um, as much as I like Ohio woods, and as, mu as cool as the rainforest seems, it is pretty cool. It also like sucks. It's like really humid all the time. It's like the worst Ohio weather. You can never, your clothes never get dry. You always have to put on like damp underwear in the morning. And uh, there's mosquitoes, like there's a cloud of mosquitoes following you everywhere. And it's on the equator. And so the sun, like at 6 p.m., it's like they flip the light switch. It's instantly night. So if you're trying to eat a bowl of something, you have your flashlight, and of course insects are attracted to light. And they have all kinds of insects in the jungle. Giant cockroaches, like, about this big. And when they fly, they sound like <laughs> And then they plop, land in your bowl of food. And you just have to, like, fork them out and continue eating. Or give it to, so. But there's a lot of cool ants and stuff if you're into bugs. Um, and yeah, like if you really like cockroaches, there's probably 50 different species living in the little hut that you're staying in. Um, so the jungle really wasn't as cool in, in person um, as it seems on TV. Uh, but I also realized that for, this is like a really broad generalization. You know, you always hear people like say, I'd love to just get away from everything and get a cabin and go live in the woods. You know, get away from my boss or whatever. Society paying bills. That's really easy to do. Like you don't have to, it doesn't cost very much. But no one does it because being alone really sucks. And we're social animals. And we need to be, like regardless of how bad it sucks, you have to be with other people for your own mental health. Um, and so the, one of the big lessons that I learned in this field study was that Westerners view the wilderness as an escape from society. Like you go there and there's no, you have to worry about what this person thinks or you know, your partner's upset with you for something you did. In general, for indigenous people, yeah, you can go to the wilderness to escape, you know, to hunt or whatever, escape from your family if you're having an argument with someone. But they don't escape from society. They, there's a whole set of other um, social interactions that we generally don't think about. And because for them, the wilderness is populated with spirits. And they have attitudes like human beings and they don't like if you come across you know whatever thing without permission or they want certain types of offerings or especially in the jungle um, there's these kind of pools that form in the rocks and there's very attractive spirits that inhabit them and they like to seduce people and then drown them in the pools um, so the, you know, it's, it's not an escape for them to go into the wilderness and, um, 
the, you know, there's, there's a whole panoply of other social concerns that you have to uh, be mindful if you're going to be, you know, walking around in the jungle. One of the uh, more interesting ones to me was, it was it's called Chuyachaki in the area where we were. He's kind of like a jungle Bigfoot. He's like a hairy man, and according to some, his feet are backwards, or one of his foot is backwards, but he's like clearly not, he, obviously supernatural compared to Bigfoot, because he also lives in a hut, and sleeps in a hammock, and smokes a pipe, um, and he's also like really a, a powerful wizard. So you don't want to upset him either, because then he'll bewitch you. And then uh, another thing you have to worry about is getting uh, charmed by dolphins. Uh, you know, in the Amazon, there's these uh, river dolphins, pink river dolphins. And dolphins, like humans, are very intelligent and also very horny. <laughs> and they like to seduce humans. This is not a supernatural thing. This is actually true. <laughs> Human-dolphin intercourse actually works. Uh, I don't know from experience, but uh, dolphins are up for it, male and female, and if a human is too, like, you know, then it goes. So you also have to worry about getting seduced by a dolphin, who also like to drown people, um, you know, so, yeah, so, um, you can take a boy out of the suburbs, but, you know, you, you can never really leave society. You still have to deal with people, and if you're not dealing with people, you have to deal with spirits and worry about getting seduced and charmed and drowned, so. 